Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Each week, we bring you the Dewing Grain market report, giving you up-to-date information and insider advice, followed by Farm Chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues while sampling a beer, Andrew's favourite bit. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and this week's market report. Welcome to the market report. What follows is my thoughts or gut instincts of what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decisions to trade is yours. Market report for the month that harvest starts, July 2019, July the 1st. So harvest is looming. Well, actually, it's not really looming, is it? Let's face it. Uh, In Norfolk, I think harvest will start on feed barley on the 15th which is two weeks and a bit behind last year's first barley delivered. Now, if you add that on to the wheat crop, we will see wheat around about the 6th, 7th of August. And I think that could be really interesting. I think the most, for us, as a future store uh, manager, we normally are racing to get wheat out of the stores in July to get ready for the, you know, to clear out for the next stuff to come in. And this year, we are very nearly empty across the board. We just had a big, big surge of stuff that went out, and I believe it got exported um, into Europe somewhere, which means that we're right down to the bare boards. And without that kind of comfort blanket of having wheat in your bins, you think, hang on a minute. July, what is left on farm? Well, we're aware of some bits and pieces that's unsold. But largely, there isn't that much out there. There's certainly a large amount on contract, and I think people are going to be more than satisfied with um, grain coming at them for the next three weeks. But if harvest is delayed, and if there's no future stock kind of dragging around at the end, it could be quite good fun. We, we'll see. I'm, I'm just... I'm keen on getting empty for the first time for about four years so we'll get on with that and then worry about running out of wheat later at this moment feed barley is worth 120 harvest movement x farm um it will go onto a boat we've still got export until the end of october uh so good that's great news the more boats that go the less barley stock there is and the more chance of the price holding or staying up so i would encourage people to look at those prices they're not going to get that much better i don't think as we head towards the point where the combines start. Um, there's no real incentive for any merchant to go crazy long of it or put it in store. That's that's an important point. If you put it in store, what are you trying to achieve? Are you trying to achieve enough to cover £10 worth of storage and the finance? That's a sort of £15, £16 worth of total cost. Is it going to be 140 for next May? Well, probably not. So just I don't think that market's got lots of inherent strength unless there's a dramatic surge in exports and and on back on that there's there is a, an awfully large amount of these hybrid feed barleys that farmers decided to grow in their wisdom with the great advice of their agronomists or seedsmen whoever told them to grow it but you're going for a market that's uh, got more than enough supply so just you, there needs to be more connection between seed plantings and what the ultimate market is or seed rape 310 for harvest movement. Let's talk about feed wheat now. I think feed wheat, old crop, current value, 146x. Nothing much is going to change on that, I don't think. Back to my original point at the start of this this podcast, I think that any excitement will come at the very end. Um, It's a reasonable price. It's not as much as people want, but hey, I don't think it's going to go down very much. Uh, New crop, 
that has been holding up remarkably well considering the prophecies of a really big crop. Everyone's saying it's a big harvest. We've touched on that the last few podcasts. So it's still holding up there. It's 145x for November. I would say that it is a balance, as we've said previously, between the big UK crop and various weather troubles in the world. One week ago, when we recorded the podcast for last Monday, this Monday just gone, there was no mention of a French heat wave. We came in on Monday morning and the French crop went up three euros a tonne because of a heat wave that was suddenly going to occur. Now, maybe there were some predictions of it, but it certainly wasn't in the mainstream and it certainly wasn't being bandied around the market. So the heat wave that's occurring or has occurred in the last few days has had an effect on some crops. Um, certainly 45 degree heat doesn't do any particular plant any good. Some of them shut down completely. Now, I guess the question marks are the how far developed is the French wheat crop in the north of the country and what impact will it have on the corn crop? So that is potentially bullish, but but the point is it's the weather market season and from recording to the Monday morning, there was a story that came in that pushed the French market up three euros a tonne and consequently dragged us up with it. Without that occurring, we would have been down this last week. Just for the record, May 20 is 151x farm for those of you who budget. Um, and on that on that note, let's uh, let's be really grown up and say that with the potential big crop and obviously the the question marks over export, we haven't talked about this much, but I will, for the record, say November 20 is is identical pricing to this year's. So if you're looking at Nov 20 or 20 harvest, you would get 145x for Nov 20. And you would get 151x for May 21. So from a budget perspective and a certainty perspective, what percentage of your 2020 crop have you sold? And, bearing in mind how much it costs to grow, how much of a budget is that? And, bearing that in mind, why haven't you sold some? Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. Please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours. Harvest 2019 is nearly here. Give your grain a better chance of making the grade. Dewing grain for immediate movement and fair treatment. And now it's time for Farm Chat. This morning, we're having Farm Chat with uh, me and Ed Salmon uh, from Fransham. Good morning, Ed. Good morning, Angie. And Webby will be along in a minute or two. The office is a bit empty this morning as people cram their holidays in before harvest starts because horrible old Andrew won't let anyone have a holiday in July, August or September. So um, Webby will be along around the time the beer's opened, I would guess. Anyway, Ed is a, by our standards, a young farmer. So do you feel young, Ed? Uh... I do, yes. Um, getting <laughs> older. Rel- don't look at me and say relatively. But <laughs> relatively, I'm 30 in September, so I guess for another few more months, I am young. <laughs> Are you then middle aged? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I used to think I'd be middle aged when I was 30 until I got to 30, and then I still felt young-ish. And yeah. uh, no, you, you are so young for another decade, mate. Let me tell you. Anyway, you you are the exception, really to my experience, in that to a large degree, your dad has actually been prepared to organise succession and hand over the reins. Yes, um, I've been very lucky. Um, 
he we planned it we had this five year strategy to pass everything over and I've now been home seven years um he had a similar uh, experience with his own father and by the time he was 30 his grandfather was completely out of the business which benefited father a lot and he wanted to have give me that same opportunity it is the it's the exception rather than the rule yeah it's he's been brilliant um we work really well together we because we're focusing on grass herbage seed now mm-hmm. um he's been all over the world to america new zealand researching that so we can push that as a another arm to our business um helping with rotations and grass weeds and all other benefits that come with it but that crop really needs that attention to detail mm. so he's focusing 100 percent on that which leads me to run the arable side of it which is great yeah which which uh, your farm I, I can remember several years ago we had a i had a, a couple of, of farms either side of uh, of the a140 uh towards this and uh, one father literally said those boys will bow down to me till the day i die uh, and the other one handed the reins over to the to the other sons, and and the one that thrived was the one where the, the farm was handed over, where the boys could make mistakes, they could do things that weren't quite right, but they also did things that were different, and they did succeed. So I, I think it bodes very well. Yeah, he will he will step in if uh, I make a horrendous cock up, but um, he uh, he has pretty much given me free reign, which is great. But then. He is also there to chat Look, every morning. Robert is totally on top of his game. He's a, he's absolutely a, a, a mountain of knowledge in in agricultural terms. I you know I know him very well. I've traded with him for lots of years. He's a very very totally capable. Could easily be running the business for several more years at, at full speed. But it's uh, the fact that it happened to him. I, I think it's as I say a very very good omen for your business looking ahead so well well done you too yeah i think it's positive but he still can sit back and beat me with a stick of his <laughs> overall view of the farm now that... <laughs> with that cheerful old face of his yeah <laughs> okay so so as we look at the future i've seen so much change in my 40 years in this industry um or 40 odd years where do you where do we go to next i think this next year is going to be pivotal whether after November or whatever happens with the mess we're in at the moment, mm-hmm. that will lead the way. I think the environmental side of it was definitely going to come more um, apparent in everything we do. I think eventually farmers will be choosing which land they farm. I think in, in the sense of if, in the sense of the stuff they own, obviously they're going to be farming, but the stuff that they that they have contract farming agreements with. Yeah, in both situations, unproductive corners of their own farm or contract farms will be put into stewardship, or even these rents that have been historically paid over the last 10 years for just acre grabbing. Um, I think that will change as well. Businesses need to be more business-minded, and just farming land for land's sake is definitely the wrong way to go. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's always a commercial uh, decision to be made there and there's always a risk that the market could turn and, and suddenly become a bountiful supply of lots of money again. So you have to, to weigh up risk-reward. But you're saying a pivotal year is a big statement, isn't it? I mean, so, so in 12 months' time, when we have a clearer view, is that what you mean? Yeah, I think we need direction. Um, we 
kind of know when when and what's happening to the basic payment scheme reduction but there's still a lot of questions unanswered nobody really knows i don't think natural England or any government body know anything that's going on well, really boris could talk in ambiguity about it couldn't he put some things here and take some things over there and and then use the things that we like and other such meaningless nonsense <laughs> at some point there will be a check coming from central government i guess for something, weren't there? Yeah, or not a check. Yeah, we just we just don't know. I think the talk at the moment is it will go to anybody that has power over land, so highways or the rail network as well. So we'll be fighting for a smaller pot with more people involved. Mm. So, so your gut instinct? Do you think you'll be farming less hectares or more hectares? My, well, the objective is to be farming better land because I think with better land you get reliability. You can guarantee yield, and you can guarantee that in a dry spell like we seem to be having more frequently, you can survive. So I think that rather than taking on any land, we'll be looking for better quality land with people that really want their farm farmed properly. Yeah. Um, and then we can have professional farming next to professional conservation and we've we do that on a couple of agreements and it's working really well so do you think you know do you think we'll see a a rise in organic we think there's a growth in organics but it's in the long term i'd probably disagree because i think we'll be driven to a halfway house and then we'll be in a conventional system we'll be doing most of the organic principles anyway so to get to that next step of being fully organic, actually, yeah, supermarkets might bring out a lower pesticide use range, which mm. still we can produce high yields off than the organics. Is there a real market for that? I think there will always be a definite market for. I mean, you you have a, a, a big growth in in very pure thinking about people's. Some people are so focused on their health about every minute detail that organic is definitely on on the up. But I think you're right. There is a mid range that ethically and morally people will be happy enough with, and they'll be conscious enough of a decision. Is is the point? So you you don't see yourself going organic. Is the, is the point? I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> not not quite yet. No, okay. You know, how, how do you get your information? Where do you, you now go to learn things? Um, I think, on the whole, farmers are quite unwilling to share, but we're quite lucky with a group of farmers that we talk to every week or and we meet up every second week and we go around each other's farms and we discuss openly everything and we know it's in full confidence, which has been a huge benefit to me. Is, is that independently organised? It is, yeah. We have chosen partners that we want to work with, um, high-performing partners, and um, we go on. I've got a couple of groups that I'm involved with, and we're going on two trips a year abroad um, to look at other cropping opportunities. Or it's like Benidorm, is it? Your age? <laughs> <laughs> no, we just come back from Denmark, and then we went to uh, uh, we went to France last um, year in Czech Republic. So you can always learn something. Absolutely. So on your, on your trips, what, what specifically have you learned anything this year? Yes, yeah, so came back uh, on Tuesday from Denmark and the amazing thing about Danish farmers is their attention to detail. So that we went to four very high-performing farms that are expanding and expanding very well um, and organically expanding as well. They haven't got 
um, other income streams. And all it is is attention to detail. They focus on every aspect of their whole business, which was quite amazing to see almost the holy grail, um, if that's not too cliche. But mm. we went, the last farm we visited was, I couldn't fault it. And it was very eye opening to see someone that's so on top of their game. I mean, they're, they're very highly taxed and consequently very highly geared with phenomenally up to date equipment, aren't they? Yes, they are, and it's very impressive, but they are completely switched on in every aspect of their business. They only change machinery when they need to, um, only for a technological advancement. They push for yield. They trial everything. They have an open discussion, much the same as we do with a group of farmers. Um, They're very open and try and push Danish agriculture forward. Interestingly, it's a cooperative-based system, isn't it? Yeah, that's where we miss out. As a, as a, here I am, a merchant shooting myself in the foot. But in the end, the cooperative system has an interest in the farmers succeeding as the producers and and major supply chain involvement, don't they? Yeah, um, they work together through through everything, mm. and it's quite fascinating. I went I went to Denmark recently on a football trip, and I forgot to put the video of me scoring against the German goalkeeper, sending him the wrong way. I'm going to put it on this week. Classic moment for all you football fans. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, so so back to the UK. AHDB, Monitor Farms, Strategic Farms. You've you've gone your own way. You know what do you think the AHDB should do to to make it more relevant? How can they? kind of make the whole system give information that's genuinely utilised? What, what what would entice you to come to a meeting or...? If they were looking at cutting-edge research and on whether it be crop development or... But at the moment, I think they're quite focused on what certainly the meetings I've been on to is more like, for example, blackgrass and what drill should you use, but... Actually, the drill is not the solution to the blackgrass problem. The whole farming system is the solution to the blackgrass problem, whether it be rotation or crop diversification or organic manures or timeliness, rather than just focusing on one little thing. I think they need to go to absolute experts in the industry. So who's next? where do you find an absolute expert? Well, people like the John Innes Centre, they're doing fantastic work. Um, and it's not always out there um, in the public domain. You have to look quite hard to find information. Back to the... So you're being selective, hopefully, about what land you're going to be farming. If someone came along before we've had the sort-out this year where, the, where Brexit lands and we find out what's, what, how we're going to survive in the future, you can't really make a commitment at this point, can you? I think we've got to keep going. And I, if it fitted the business and the people who approached us were on board with how we farm and believe that the system with improving soils that we're trying to achieve, if they're on board with all that and it was nice land and the right fit, then You'd yeah. have to have a load of, load of caveats, so wouldn't you? Because whoever it is would have to understand the dynamic of, well, we'll do this, this and this, subject to this, this and this. Yeah, at the end of the day, any contracting or contract farming mustn't dilute the core business. Um, you must keep that attention to detail over mm. every acre you farm. Mm. I mean, uh, yeah, and at the moment, people just say, here's the acres, how much? And that's 
th- that's it, your problem from then onwards. Yeah, I think in the future, people will be more cheesy. Ah, here comes Webby now. So, uh, so what have we got, Ian, now you've joined us? We've, um, we have got Oakham's Bishop Farewell Golden Ale. Smooth, rich and fruity. Oh, yeah. Great sound effects. Right, let's have your opinion. Nice, isn't it? It's yeah, a proper well, session ale. Yeah, I quite like it. It's good. Bishop's Finger. Uh, here we are, middle of the morning, drinking beer. Ed, this is this is what grain trading is actually like. Did you, I don't know if you realise that. Uh, well, no, it's a, it's a, could get used to it actually. Yeah, this is how I, I tempted Webby into the industry. He was in, uh, he worked for um, a land agent before that. But I said, well, Ian, if you come and work with me, you can have beer at ten o'clock. <laughs> yeah, I haven't looked back back since. It's uh, yeah, definitely the perks. So, what are you, are you a um, an ale man, lager? What's your tipple choice? Um, my hangover's getting pretty bad now, so I'm, I'm, I'm tending to go to the lighter stuff. I went to Norfolk show and I saw a couple of boys that I was on a stag do with. We went to Jersey and it was one of the farming crowd and uh, we had a pretty good session, two good days at it. And on the second day, I kind of hit the self-destruct button. And the following day, I did not talk to a single person. They were just criticised because I just sat in the corner on my own, in my own little bubble. And, uh, yeah, they're still abusing me for it. So I, I feel your pain. I'm, I'm the same. No, so the Norfolk show, did you go to that, Ed? I did, yeah. Um, I spent about four or five hours there on mm-hmm. uh, Thursday. And on Thursday, not on the Wednesday, the social day? No, no. I, uh, well, I had a meeting on Wednesday morning and then got an emergency call because uh, my other half had forgotten her wallet. So I had to go in for an hour. and But, um, yeah, then went for the full day on Thursday. That's a fairly good tactic, forget the wallet. I, I can imagine, oh, knowing your missus, actually, that's probably quite an urgent thing. She, um, she's probably got quite a, an interesting shopping habit, hasn't she? No, the the, <laughs> <laughs> the excuse was she needed a bottle of water, um, and I bought it a hook, line and sinker. So. And then you bought her a hat and some new jodhpurs or something like that? No, I took her around... Um, I gave her a drink on the Vardastat stand, courtesy of <laughs> William and then... Father's son. <laughs> and, yeah. What's, what did you say? I, I was, um, I did the, uh, it's a bit sad, sort of reminiscing about my old days, but sat in the members and did that kind of thing in late evening. And uh, I did feel a little bit too old for it. I remember my heyday, my sort of like, when I thought I was in my prime, 20s to 25s. But I now feel too old for it. That's terrible. I, I unfortunately obviously wasn't there this Wednesday in there, but it's usually a good old doing there, isn't it's, it? And it's good fun. I love I love bumping into people you haven't seen for years. You never know bumping that old school mate or whatever. It's um and it is yeah, it's great. I think it's uh, it's a lovely part of Norfolk and it's a good thing to do. It's amazing how much people talk when they've had about five ales as well, isn't it? It's it's Very quite true. interesting. You can learn quite a bit. No, it is. It's brilliant. What do you on a slightly more serious note then? There's I did. Do the wandering around some of the trace sounds, Ben Burgess, TNS, and all those guys. Do you reckon um, were they busy? Are there people in the market buying kit? I, th- yeah, they, I think there were. Um, but if you know what you want, you just look it up on the internet, don't you? Um, really, a fair point. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's more the uh, Norfolk show is more of a social. The thing. hospitality is an important thing. You, you're there, you're seen, aren't you? And it's yeah. Um, yeah I had a, had a bit of a wander, and I caught up with a few people and it's it's nice to do and kind of not that we've got our own stand but cost too much money and what just back to that internet thing so so yep you look it up on the internet and find out what it costs do you, do you buy it off the internet or do you then go to your dealer and say look 
Well, that's the frustrating thing because we know exactly what we want out of a machine if we're looking to change. So there's a lot of um, nights looking at research, much to Georgie's uh, despair. Is that tractor porn, Ed? (laughs) No. (laughs) But we know what we want as a... Yeah, but... but And and then the frustrating thing is you go to a dealer and then uh, they ask you all the same questions that you have researched and still give you a wrong quote, so... Do that, well, that's, so, so, you, so you, you mean you research the quote, you know what it's going to be charged at, and then they charge you more money than you thought it was going to be? No, just specifications. Okay. You often, it sounds a bit rude, but you often know more than the dealer about the product you're looking at. The, the specific guy you're talking to, yeah, okay. But, but in that environment, I mean, I guess the machines have more than one supplier, don't they? You can go and see someone else who has that specific machine or do they have just complete sole marketing rights uh half and half but i mean it's all about relationships isn't it with people you've always dealt with or because you get on with the show was the place where you could go i don't know come on let's have another you know i'll give you a free pig or something if you take <laughs> this off my hands i don't know you, there's a bartering moment do you get a better deal at the show in your opinion i wouldn't have thought so no did you go to cereals this year Ed? Uh, unfortunately, I didn't this year. Um, I think the show's lost a bit of its cutting edge. I think what they need to do is just all the manufacturers join together in a cooperative and say, this is what it's going to cost. Let's have a decent show, put some more trials in it and take it back to what it used to be 15 years ago. So uh, the weather was the final nail in the coffin for me this year. Yeah. Yeah, good good advert for four-wheel drives there, wasn't it? Yeah, I think the uh, local farmer probably did quite well out of towing them out. Did he charge them, do you think? I'd have thought they got a few tips, didn't they? Oh, yeah, OK, that's fair enough. It's <laughs> worth it, isn't it? Um, is there any more shows to be done this summer? Is that is that the end of it? I don't know. I think well, the, the Suffolk's been done. Uh, no, the best show of them all, the Elsham show. Have you have you popped your Elsham show cherry, Ed? Have you been before? I went when I was a child. Um, oh, you've got to, we, we are going to try and drag you there. Hopefully, harvest is finished this year. It's normally it's the bank holiday. It's always tight, and you can see quite a few of the farmers quite sort of drawn out because they're pretty shagged from a long harvest. But it's quite good fun. It's a really good crowd, few beers, and yeah, I enjoy it. Proper proper ag- agricultural show. None of the, none of the none of the ridiculous bits. If the weather's right for that, it really is a, a phenomenally. Great cause, uh, great charity, uh, you know, collector. It's it, it's all voluntary work from local people. It's, it is a phenomenal show. We support it because it's on our doorstep. And famously, a, a firm who used to go there, when we first set up, they decided that year to stop going and they said it wasn't worth it was the famous phrase we loved so we took over their their stand and uh, of course you're worth it right with, i think with that ed if you if you you know if we can get you to the elsham show before you uh, retire in 30 years time 31 years time or however long it takes you'll be a cranky old thing by then won't you i'll be i'll be i'll be long gone mate that will be you know i'll be un- <laughs> i'll be under the ground but um Either way, if you can come along one of the years, you'll you'll see it's not too bad. Free pork pies and free beer is a reasonably good recipe for a full stand. Sounds good. Yeah, I'll take you up on that. <laughs> okay, Ed, thanks for coming along. I really appreciate your time. No, thank you. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they're released. Dew and Grain are independent and local grain traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, 
we can supply you with the best strategies to help you achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Call now on 01263 731 550 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk or follow us on Twitter. We are at dewinggrain. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by Tinshed Productions in conjunction with East Coast Design Studio.